Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hiring is challenging, and it used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter. In fact, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you cannot miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, listeners here can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Welcome inside the College Football Film Room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg. We have the college football playoff set. Bowl season will begin Oh, in a couple of weeks this weekend, of course, we have the best tradition of them all in the Army-Navy game. And coaching news galore, Chris, even though it's not a full slate of games, it's a full slate of news in college football this week. Yeah, it is a lot going on because obviously recruiting is just a little over a week away, about nine days away. Um, So it is a tough time, obviously, for those that are make coaching changes and getting staffs together and trying to pull together a recruiting class, um, a lot of going on there. And um, certainly, uh, obviously, for those that are in bowl games and particularly ones in the playoffs, their focus is a little different. But we've got you know, a lot of news going on, in fact, with, uh, with a couple of assistants that are um, in the playoffs, that are one has taken a job and one might be taking a job. And by the time you're listening to this podcast, as we're taping it, um, you know, we've got the, the possibility of another. We'll we'll get into who that is and and um and and a little bit more about that. But a lot of things go on this time of year that you know I always said, Scott, the 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 lack of a college football commissioner leads to a lack of a what I call a bad calendar. I think that the early signing day is kind of messed up. It shouldn't be in December. You want to have an early signing day, have an April in August, you know, like last August, and then you have it. I, w- I would push it into March. And I think all these coaching changes that are necessitated with guys get a job, they go to a nice bowl game, can't coach the bowl game or, you know, it, or they coach the bowl game and, you know, they, until and kind of work in two jobs, the calendar in college football really sucks mm-hmm. in how they do things. And, and um, that's something that needs to be, well, it should be addressed, but no one there to really address it. But I think it's part of the problem that leads to, what you're just talking about a lot of congestion of a lot of things that are going on that makes it very difficult to operate in a college football atmosphere. Yep. We'll get to the coaching news coming up in just a couple of minutes, but first let's react to the final college football playoff rankings. We have our playoff. It's set the top three as expected or LSU, Ohio state and Clemson, the fourth team, Oklahoma, because of the loss by Utah and Oklahoma beating Baylor. So the Sooners get into the playoff. 
the the news that people i guess were were kind of battling with chris was whether or not lsu would jump ohio state and take over that number one ranking and i think deservingly so they did because they they finished off probably the toughest schedule when you look at the top 13 teams that they beat i know ohio state technically had more top 25 victories than lsu did but lsu played more of a top heavy schedule and i think that's what they got rewarded for yeah, I mean, you know, this is where kind of stats could lie a little bit. Like, you know, for example, Ohio State's very deserving of a, of a number one, the, the number one seed. There's no question about it. It's nothing against Ohio State. But, you know, Florida Atlantic and Cincinnati, they're getting a lot of bump for that. Whereas when you really drill out down into it, I think LSU's schedule was a little bit more difficult. And let's just call it like it is. It was fine line, and we say that all the time, don't we? Let's let it all play out. And I think mm-hmm. how it looks matters. Well, when you're number two and you go up against number four and you play in Atlanta, basically a semi-home game for Georgia, and you absolutely blow the team out from the get-go, the eye test of how that looked looked different than Ohio State. Very impressive coming back on Wisconsin in the second half. But in the first half, it was Wisconsin controlling the game. Little things like that matter. And you hear people say, oh, it shouldn't be decided on one. It's not decided on one half. It's decided on everything. But when it's razor thin and it's not, you know, well, that first half, we'll drop your rear end right there. No, I mean, it's, you know, you got to put somebody one. And quite frankly, I think LSU deserved it. Now, does it mean that they're the best team? I don't know that. Clemson may not be as good as anybody, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Clemson doesn't deserve to be any higher than three because they haven't played as tough a schedule. No fault of their own. And dabble, you know, whine about it and I'll get all the head. But the reality is, it's just, it's kind of how the way it goes. Now we're off and running. The, the big news is, though, that I do think that there are three teams that are national championship caliber. And LSU, certainly by getting the one seed, is a huge advantage because obviously they're going to only have to play one of them. I mean, if I, assuming that I think they'll beat Oklahoma, maybe even decisively, and they'll get to face either Ohio state or Clemson, and they'll get to do it in new Orleans. If they again are beating Oklahoma, whereas if you're Clemson, you're Ohio state, you're going to have to beat the other, and you're going to have to beat LSU. So there's, you know, it's why we talk about it every year every year is unique in that you might have one team that's clearly better than two or one and two clearly better than three or this year it's three that are better than the rest. Yeah. It looked like there are three playoff teams and somebody's got to fill in the fourth slot. We talked about it. Utah had every opportunity. Could they handle the moment? They couldn't. There you go. Utah, there you go, Pac-12, until you can win those type of games. Mm-hmm. People are going to continue to disrespect you. That was not the Utah team that's played all year long, but they played a very athletic Oregon team. They struggled a little bit against USC. You know, they they had their chance, and they blew it. And I was a little bit surprised that o- Oklahoma didn't handle Baylor, and that game was really good yep better than i thought it would be so congrats and let's i want to give a shout out to wisconsin what a coaching job of making significant substantive adjustments 
from the first game to the second that really caused Ohio State a lot of problems in that first half, and it wasn't enough, but it gave their their team a chance and then credit Ohio State for making adjustments at the half. Then obviously their athleticism, their speed, and their strength began to wear down that Wisconsin's defense in the second half. But for a half, man, it looked like, oh, look out. Where mm-hmm. is this headed? Absolutely. You know, what's going what's gonna to happen now if they go down? Then, uh, obviously, uh, all, all things came back to norm in the second half. A couple of thoughts here. Uh, first one is uh, everyone wants to complain about a playoff. Imagine if we still had the BCS and Clemson, the defending national champs who are 13-0, and are left out of the BCS national championship game. So be thankful that this, they have a chance now as opposed to the old way of doing things, which uh, you know seems archaic now. Another thing is people complain and want an expanded playoff. I don't, I don't want it. Uh, I think that four is a good number. Um, I agree with your idea, and I've been saying this and echoing your sentiments forever, that the playoffs should be selected after the bowl games. But even just looking at it now, why do we need an expanded playoff when we've seen these teams get their chance and they lost? Wisconsin had their chance. They lost. Baylor had their chance. They lost. Georgia had their chance. They lost. Those are all playoff games. So I don't need an expanded playoff to give these teams now another chance. And my other uh, commentary is for people who were saying after Oregon beat Utah in the Pac-12 title game that Oregon is being punished for scheduling Auburn. And had they not scheduled Auburn, they would be in the college football playoff. To that, I say no. If they didn't lose to Arizona State, they'd be in the college football playoff losing to Auburn in the final nine seconds of the game on a neutral site week zero of the season. Chris does not affect you as much as losing to Arizona state three weeks ago. Okay. So Oregon is not being punished for scheduling Auburn. They're being punished because they lost to Arizona state. That's why they're not in the college football playoff. Yeah, I think when you have a situation like that, you probably win either one of those games. You're 11 and one, and it may make a difference. You're right, and certainly the most recent game and in conference, it 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 matters. Uh, you certainly the way it looks and the way they played. Um, you would think, let's say, had they just let's say they had beaten Arizona State and kind of handled their business. I think the eye test would have put them in over oh, absolutely. Oklahoma. Absolutely, now, 100%. Here, here's the thing that we don't know, and this is kind of the point I'm making. Um, Oregon played loose, free. Yeah. They were not going to make the playoffs. They didn't have the pressure. They wanted to win the conference, and, they, you know, if they beat Arizona State, they got the same pressure as Utah. Would both mm-hmm. teams play tight? I, I, I don't know. Those are the things – that you don't know. You can look and say after the fact, well, that, that, I, I take that, that went well. And but would that have been taking place under different, we don't know. That's look, I, I, I don't buy the theory that, oh, that, you know, you get the, yeah, you tie, they weren't any good. Eh, just over it. Well, that is just nonsense. They played poorly. I thought they played tight and I just, that's the one thing I had concerned. Could they handle the moment? They couldn't they're a good team and and you know it's unfortunate for them that they played very tight in that game and i you know i don't know that 
Oregon would have played better if they had uh, look they you say they played tight didn't did, didn't do what they needed to do against Arizona State so mm-hmm. you know it's kind of just the way it is and look I I do think there's probably is something to the effect and we need to look at that that you know this is why I think to the committee's defense they try to factor in a number of things they try to look at metrics they try to look at strength of schedule, but it does pertain to the eye test. For example, you, you mentioned Oregon. Um, or I could I could take uh, Auburn, a nine and three team, and if you gave them Clemson's schedule, it'd probably be twelve and zero, just like Clemson. Now, does it mean that they're just as good? Auburn Auburn would be just as good? No, in my opinion. If you looked and studied them and you grade to a standard, you could see that Clemson's better than Auburn. But, you know, people, oh, well, but Clemson hasn't played anybody. I, I get it. And there's some things you just can't control who teams play, and that's that. But And, and there is something to sometimes your record is more a byproduct of who you played or didn't play and the weakness of it, and the film shows it. There are other times where you look at it and you know, man, this team is really good. They're every bit as good as their schedule or even better would indicate. So that's where the eye test, I think, matters. It's also what I have gone to the point of, I don't, I agree with you. I don't like the playoffs. I, I think just having a playoff of eight teams, well, we don't have four teams this year. That is yeah. deserving. Yep. We're going to add, an, uh, you know, uh, some more. We're going to add a, a fifth, sixth, seventh, and an eighth to the mix that really don't belong that don't look like it, that that doesn't make a lot of sense in my mind. But let me tell you what does make sense as we try to figure these things out each and every year because we don't know quite, you know, schedule-wise how things are going to be during the season. I do think we're losing the bowl games. I was making and looking at the bowl matchups, and, of course, I sit there and watch them all, and I like them, but I admit – I tried to look and see what games or people might be interested. Scott, there are very few that I think that are going to be. I think you can count them on. I think, Chris, I think you can count them on one hand. And, That's and, how I, few. and, and I'll be watching all of them, but mm-hmm. there are not a whole lot of people that will outside of the fan base mm-hmm. of the schools there. And we're going to see more and more guys not playing games. So what I'm thinking that, that I've always felt like, why not take these bowl games and why not make these games more meaningful? that it could lead to something to where it's an extension of the regular season and you play it and then you pick, you'd only really need to pick two after the bowl games. Yeah. If you wanted to pick four, you can do that. To me, it would make the bowl games meaningful. And then it allows you to see who's better. Like right now, the, what's the only question we have? Who's the four best team? Now, I don't think there's much question that Oklahoma deserves it in the current system, but how does Oklahoma, Georgia, Oregon, Baylor, Wisconsin, Florida? I mean, I think you can look at all those teams and say, "Hmm, you know, who's right. You know, you put these teams in bowl games and based upon those performances in the bowl games, you might have a different fourth team than Oklahoma. If you've got some doubt on who the third and fourth team is, I think it there would be greater clarity to determine who those teams are after the bowl games. Now, look, 
there might be a more cloudy picture because the bowl game results might lead to a little bit more chaos as, you know, maybe the games wouldn't go as like we think. That's okay, too. It would give us another true metric of good versus good because you try to schedule maybe good versus good in the non-conference schedule. Or sometimes people don't try to schedule difficult. But either way, you never know how good LSU-Texas is going to be in a given year. You know, it may look a lot different next year than this year. Or what, you know, Georgia-Clemson might look like eight years from now. Well, who knows? Uh But this year we know. We know who's good. And we we, we also know who won their conference. So everybody that's won their conference, they're going to get a nice bowl game and they're going to get a good matchup. And then, you know, if you're Baylor and Georgia and you're playing in the sugar bowl and you're, you're Oklahoma and you're playing Oregon, um, you know, for example, I, you, you throw in some of these matchups, then all of a sudden, then you sit back on January 2nd and have the day that we had on Sunday where you have the unveiling of the four that would be really intriguing. And what it would do, it was make it would make the entire month of December a lot like March is for college basketball because mm-hmm. you could start with games. I think you can take group of five teams. You can have their own little, you know, championship type thing scenario as well. I think you could do that. I think those teams, if they played a tough enough schedule out of conference, if they're unbeaten and you have an unusually good team, maybe they can earn their way in an unusual year. Maybe they could be. Let's say this year, I don't know. Let's say a Memphis was 12-0, and and they beat um, two good teams out of conference that maybe are in the top 25, and they're 12-0, they're and, and they, they ran in their league. Well, maybe they're under consideration. But is their strength of schedule good enough? No. But I tell you how you can figure that out. You put them in the Cotton Bowl, and maybe it's against Penn State. Maybe it's against a better team. Boom, they win that. Maybe they earn their right to get in. Instead of just, well, put them in because they're unbeaten and give them a shot. This is not a, a participation trophy. It's just another metric to take bowl games and make them more meaningful. You would have less kids sitting out these bowl games, which I don't know, Scott. What the hell is going to happen? I know you like to do the betting and gambling stuff. My friend, good luck on figuring yeah, bowl it's, games. It's almost impossible know, with these kids. You don't yeah. know who the hell's playing in these games. So, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. like other than the play, you don't know. And you don't know the motivation. Who's for, So, it is just a complete guess. I think you would not eliminate that, but I think you would greatly enhance and get back to the bowl games being really good. And I would have the games in December, and, and none of this – Games the second, third, and fourth. All the games would end on January first. Then you'd have the playoffs, and I, I think that would be it, it. To me, it would be a lot better to do it. But we're not doing that. And I think if we're going anywhere eventually, it's going to expand to eight. And in many years, you know, you might get that. And to me, it what it does. What I don't like about it is it basically stops. And then it really picked – I mean, they're bowl games that will be played, folks. But, you know, really the ones that people want to see are the 28th. So it's like, you know, you got this week, you got next week, and then you got the next week before you got – it's like college football disappears in most people's eyes for two or three weeks. And then it comes back again. 
it's awkward. It's just it, we go from Thanksgiving week, which is the best, then conference championship week, which is it, it's even better. It just doesn't have as many games. And then it's like, boom, we have the announcements, and it just goes dead. I mean, it's like dead, and then we we revive. It just it's very awkward how we do it, and I think we could keep the momentum in December where college football would be. Look, I mean, if you think conference championship weeks are big and who wins this one and who wins that, it would still be important because it would get you in a better bowl game. Now you put these bowl games, how big would this game be, this bowl and that bowl? And, man, it would be huge. I mean, it, it would be incredible. You, yeah. you don't know what it's going to lead to. And maybe you're a two-loss team. And, I mean, like, who's to say? I'm not so sure that Florida is not as good as Oklahoma. I'm not saying they deserve to be ranked under our current system ahead of Oklahoma, but wouldn't it be interesting to see them in a bowl game and oh, some of the sure. other matchups I said, and then maybe you determine it. Wouldn't it be better to say, all right, now that's the 14th. Now the, the top three teams, they're probably going to be in anyway, even if they didn't fare well in their bowl games, still get in. Cause you're still looking at the body of the work. I'm not talking about a playoff scenario in the bowl games. I'm saying, it's another big game metric, just like the conference championship games are. You know, we knew that if Ohio State and LSU lost this past week, they were still going to be in, but it would affect their seeding. Well, the same thing would apply in bowl games. It might affect only the seeding of a certain team that still might make it, or it might determine whether they get in or out, depending upon how they looked, how bad of a beating, or how close it was. I mean, you don't think it might have an effect on the motivation of the players and the coaches going into the games. I think all those things would be really, really important. But it goes into what we just talked about, too, is you do all that. How do you manage all that with all these coaching changes and early mm -hmm. signing, day, which is why I think we need to have some major reform on the scheduling. But I've just gone through a diatribe that's not going to happen, but that's at least we've discussed it as something that I think would be really good for the game. I think losing I'm the on bowls, I, I think losing the bowl games more and more each year is becoming really wasteful. And here's the thing people talk, oh well finals most schools have in the finals this week. So in most cases the bowls would be played where they could be practicing anytime because most of them wouldn't be in school. Yep. I just think there's there's a lot of positives to it, but we're not going to see it, unfortunately. Well, I would love to see it happen. Um, we, as you mentioned, there's really not a lot of intriguing bowl matchups. I said you can count them on one hand. Um, outside of the college roll playoff, obviously, some of the matchups are just, they're weak. Hey, it's an exciting time for sports. Sophomore sensation Lamar Jackson is redefining what it means to be a dual-threat quarterback. Odds on Jackson to win the MVP race were at 50-1 to 1 to begin the season and have plummeted since, making my bookie's prop selection more attractive than ever. Then, on the 14th, we have one of the most stacked UFC cards in a long time. Three championship fights, all highly anticipated, right in the betting capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. Without a doubt, People are going to be looking to get in on the action, and we have the best place for you to go, my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. My bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, 
$1,000, you get an extra 1000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie. Bet, win, get paid. Uh, one matchup that I think is it's pretty intriguing just for the storyline purposes of it is how about Chris Peterson's farewell game, Chris? is going to be against Boise State. Could that be even more fitting? Uh, come on. You have Washington and Boise State in the Las Vegas Bowl, uh, and and that is just – that's just really a, a nice little storybook uh, uh, written ending to have Chris Peterson's farewell game be against the Boise State Broncos. Yeah, it's probably the, the most intriguing storyline game in that first weekend. Um, you know, and then you get into kind of the next week. Iowa-USC is intriguing. I tell you which one is – Iowa State Notre Dame uh, going to be sure. be intriguing as well, and then obviously, you know, and that's the other thing that's kind of weird is you have the twenty eighth, you have the semifinal games, and then then you go and you have some other some bowl games. games that, yeah. that <laughs> it's just kind of like you know, not crazy about the, the Florida Notre Dame would have really liked maybe Florida Notre Dame in that scenario. Um, you know, Alabama Michigan, Auburn Minnesota, Oregon Wisconsin in the Rose Baylor Georgia. Um, you know, look, I mean, there's, there's, there's some intrigue in it, but certainly again, uh, I just keep saying it, the games are dying. The bowl games are dying on the vine and the more and more players that don't participate in the game. Um, I think it becomes a bigger and bigger issue in in a negative sense. And so I, I think we've really, we've really done a poor job. And every year we talk about it. Um, I just, uh, the system has basically gotten to the point where if you don't make the playoffs, then nothing really matters. The motivation, the desire to even play in the games, um, it just tells you where we are. I mean, in my day, you live to play in a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Now kids choose to, I'm not going to play in that bowl game. It doesn't matter. I'm getting ready for the draft. Yep. That is just, that's where we've gone. And again, that's where we've gone because how poorly we've administrated the sport and I think that, you know, that 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 we've kind of gone in the different direction with this. And I think we're going to continue, unfortunately, to go in a different direction. So, I mean, what do you do when you have eight? So tell me, you know, the bowl games that will be meaningful if, when you go to eight, they're going to be in less games that are more meaningful than the bowls. <laughs> I mean, the the eight, you know, and then, and then now they're talking, well, we'll put them in, you know, we'll, we'll do eight, but we'll see them and you get, you get them at home sites, so you won't do them at bowl games. Okay, so then now, now you have you, you've got eight teams that are going to play at home sites, and that that eliminates both. I mean, I you know that that's where we're headed, and I'm not sure that um, I'm on board. Listen, they're going to do what they're going to do, and I'm going to watch because I love football. But I just think that the way we administrated the sport has just been bad. All right, I'm off my soapbox now. I've got it <laughs> off my chest, but it's really something that that really bothers me. Guys, let's talk about sleep. Listen to these studies from Harvard and Johns Hopkins. Chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. We each need eight hours of sleep. I know sometimes when I don't get a full eight hours of sleep, 
I just don't operate like my best self the next day. So one of sleep's biggest problems is temperature. It's tough to get to sleep if you're too hot. So I want to tell you about the Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically that means if you like the bed cool your partner likes the bed warm now you can have both at the same time in a crazy comfortable bed sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world try the pod for 100 nights and if you don't love it we'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup they already sold out of their first two batches so they're going fast for a limited time get 150 dollars off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash pro that's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash pro 8sleep.com slash pro well, let's get to some coaching news, Chris, because there has been some announcements that were made this week. Of course, we know about Mike Norvell, who uh, is not going to be coaching Memphis in the bowl game as he is the new head coach of the Florida State Seminoles. Was this really the best kept secret or the, I should say the worst kept secret in all of college football that Norvell was getting this job? Yeah, they he was on their short list at the beginning. Um, really good coach, good hire. You know, there's a lot of foolish discussion about this guy and that guy that, you know, Bob Stoops and all that kind of stuff. Mark Stoops had an interest, but, you know, wanted a little bit more uh, commitment from a where they're headed administratively and from a facility standpoint. Of course, Mark was with Jimbo Fisher at Florida State, and uh, so he kind of knows the lay of the land and why Jimbo left. Um that wasn't going to work. That interview didn't go very well. Um, in, 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 to, to be honest with you, you know, Matt Campbell wasn't interested in going to Florida State. Mike Norvell was. He's young. He's 38, very energetic, good recruiter, really good football coach, really understands offensive line play, really good with developing coaching staffs. A lot of his guys have moved on, and he's already putting together a really good staff. So um, I think a good move for Florida State, and I think the best guy that, that – was attainable for them that they could have gotten. I think a really good move and good for him. And I think he'll, for a school that's been poorly coached the past year and a half, two years under Willie Taggart, that won't be the case anymore. Whatever Florida state has in their program, uh, he'll get it out of them. They just need to begin to raise more funds so that they can begin to look close to what Clemson looks like facility wise. And they're not even close. I mean, they're not even the same area code in terms of Mm -hmm. where they look they just need to get you know slowly progressing towards that well we got a couple of uh, former sec head coaches now getting jobs as assistant coaches matt luke as the offensive line coach the former Ole miss coach goes to georgia he's going to coach the offensive line and chad morris from arkansas to auburn as he's going to be the new offensive coordinator for gus malzahn let's start with chad morris chris well, Chad Morris uh, and Gus Malzahn are good friends. Uh, I do think that Gus will still call the plays, but somebody that understands the offense, they go back to the high school days together. So um, I think it's a really good move for Chad, good move for Gus as they develop, and he'll work with uh, with Bo Nick. So that's a real positive, I think, there. Matt Luke is a really good hire for Georgia. Of course, Georgia lost Sam Pittman their offensive line coach and running game coordinator to Arkansas to be the head coach. Matt Luke's an outstanding offensive line coach to add him to the staff that quickly got head coaching experience, obviously. So good move for Kirby uh, smart to get him over 
to coach the offensive line for uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. And speaking of former Ole Miss coaches, how about Hugh Freeze, who gets a multi-year extension at Liberty? He's bringing Liberty to a bowl game, Chris. Yeah, no, listen, what uh, it's uh, those smaller schools that are independent, they've played. Who did they play twice this year? I mean, you may they they've actually like playing teams twice in one year because they just can't find enough people to to uh, to uh, to play. I I really would have given strong consideration if I were Arkansas to making a move there. I know it's probably a little too quick in some people's eyes. The guy's one hell of a football coach, and um. You know, that, that, that was an issue, by the way, Arkansas, Jerry Jones kind of blocked the lane Kiffin move. Mm -hmm. Lane was very interested in going there. Uh, but obviously when they kind of, you know, Hunter Juracek, the athletic director of Arkansas tried to hire Lane Kiffin at Houston when he was the athletic director, Tillman Fertitta, the guy that's on TV from the Landry seafood, he, the big booster at Houston blocked it. Then Hunter Juracek tried to hire Lane Kiffin at Arkansas, and it was blocked by Jerry Jones and the Tyson Chicken Money guy, you know, um, which which is kind of pre, pretty much goes wherever Jerry tells them to go. So uh, that that's kind of how that played out. And of course, Lane went to Ole Miss. His agent Jimmy Sexton kind of really convinced him that Ole Miss was the better place anyway, better roster. So Lane is in Oxford, and did you hear what they told him at the airport? as they gave no. him a baby to kiss. Uh, a, a guy <laughs> gave Lane Kiffin a baby to kiss, and as he gave the baby back, the, the father told Lane, and by the way, get yourself a burner phone. <laughs> Obviously, in response for people who don't get that joke, yeah, yeah, yeah. Freeze had a <laughs> university phone. It was calling the hookers, and Lane Kiffin uh, he said, get yourself a burner phone, my man. <laughs> I thought that was wow. classic. And you can hear wow. it on the, uh, I don't know what you call it, you know, the YouTube or whatever. <laughs> you can hear it. That's classic. It's <laughs> pretty good advice, though. Um, what's the uh, latest coaching news that you're hearing that could be coming down the pike in the next week or so? Well, look, first of all, let's mention Eli Drinkwich gets the job at Missouri. I think people yes. are aware of that now. And, of course, coming one year at Appalachian State, a really up-and-coming head coach. So, good move there. We mentioned Sam Pittman, uh, interesting hire, kind of a, you know, someone that loves the program. Uh, never been a coordinator, never been a head coach. Obviously going to depend on what staffing can put together. That Arkansas program really concerns me. They're the worst program in the league right now. Mm -hmm. They got a lot of work to do, and that's a big job for someone that's never been a head coach. Um, uh, we'll, we'll see how that works. Boston College is is a little quiet right now um you know i think they like luke fickle a lot but you know we're, we're getting towards just like i said a little more than a week before signing day and there's not a lot of movement there colorado state is trying to get their guy hired they've kind of gone back and forth on certain guys looks like um butch jones is out of that mix kevin wilson the offense coordinator at Ohio State, looks like he's probably not going to get it. So we'll see where they're going to go. As I mentioned, UL, UNLV is uh, definitely interested. Oh, I did mention, I should mention, UNLV is working on a deal to get LSU defensive coordinator Dave Aranda. Wow. The head coaching job. We'll see if that gets done. As you're listening to this podcast, that news may have already broken. You can follow me on Twitter at LandryFootball or at LandryFootball.com. That may get into the night within the next 
you know, probably 12 to 20, 12 to 18 hours from the yep. time you're listening to this podcast. It may be even done by the time you listen to this podcast. But as we're taping it, there's a negotiations that are going on. I've talked with Dave. Dave wants to be a head coach. He's from the, the West uh, region of the country. Uh, this would be a little bit surprising um, to some degree. Was Marcus uh, Arroyo? Is, isn't Marcus Arroyo in the mix for that job? Yes, too? he is in the mix, but it looks like right now that uh, negotiations have stalled, and okay. it looks like their attentions are going more towards Dave Aranda. So we shall see if they can secure him. They go back to Marcus um, or open it up to a couple of other options. Now, UNLV's saying they're going to put some commitment into spending money on a staff. And of course they've got some new facilities. They're going to be stadium, yeah. new stadium with the Raiders going in. So they, 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 that's a program that's never done really anything, but um, you know, it, it, I do know that Dave has had some interest in being a head coach and it's, that's increased over the last six, 12 months. And I think the West part of the country is from Southern California intrigues them. So we'll see if that uh, again, Keep in touch. By the time you hear this, that may uh, already be in play. Uh, what else? Uh, well, oh, Greg Schiano yeah. back at Rutgers. And, well, Greg, and I, I'll tell you, Chris, um, you know, heard a couple of interviews and press conferences, and he's the type of guy that – and you know what? I feel bad for what happened to him with the Tennessee job. I really do because I thought that he deserved it. Um, he's the type of guy that when he speaks, you just – you, you want to run through a wall for him. And I get the sense from everybody here in the in the New York metropolitan area, and especially in Jersey, uh, they're ready to follow this guy. They're ready to believe that he can bring them back to where they once were, or not maybe where they once were, but where they once were trending. And that was trending in the positive direction and, and, and getting on the radar of the Big Ten. We know they don't belong in the Big Ten conference, but maybe with Greg Schiano at the helm, they can start bringing in the NFL caliber talent that he used to recruit and, and that could be a positive sign for Rutgers moving forward. Well, that administration needs uh, a kick in the pants. They need somebody that's strong enough to pull them where they need to go. And so this move is bigger than Greg Ciano. It's about the future of Rutgers football and being competitive. So with Greg, he's going to demand certain things for his staff for facilities. In fact, that was part of the deal. He's going to stay on top of them on that. He's going to really have an impact in Jersey recruiting, not getting the top guys, but getting the right fits for them and at least give them in a situation in two, three years where they're competitive and maybe can schedule correctly to where they can get to a bowl game. If you do that at Rutgers, that's getting it done. And then at the very least, he'll leave the program down the road in better shape than it is yes. combined with the fact that if he's there long enough, the full complement of money that's coming into the mm -hmm. school for the big 10 will be there. And again, it'll be up to that program, that university to decide how competitive they want to be. I mean, do they just want to have a program and, you know, go to a bowl game and, you know, or do they want to really be kind of, you know, in the middle of that league and try to get out of the basement of it. I mean, from a pride standpoint, what they want to be, I know what Greg's going to want, and maybe he will instill that. Maybe he'll have somebody that he can groom that down the road can make that program respectable. I think that's all that is should be expected out of the program in the Big Ten East. But there is no question that they can be 
you know, at least someone that can compete out of the basement. I mean, they absolutely can. But right now, they're far and away the worst. But, you know, if you look at that that conference, there, there's there's a chance to work your way eventually into a middle of the pack. And, and certainly, yeah. why you can't, look at Chris, why can't they be in Indiana, Chris? Why can't they go eight and four and have a five and four record in the conference? Why can't they be uh, Illinois, who who maybe, you know, maybe they go six and six or seven and, and five and they give teams fits and they they upset some teams. Why can't they be one of those middle of the road Big Ten teams? Yeah, that, and why can't they compete for fifth and maybe in a given year fourth in the East, like you said, Indiana is now, as opposed to absolutely starting the season where you know they're going to be the worst. So there's no question about it that there are things that they can do. And look, it's um, it, it's it's not as challenging, in my view, as some programs mm-hmm. that have a little bit more of an academic, you know, requirement test at Northwestern and Purdue. So why not? No, why not? Indeed, uh, to to at least get to respectability to where you can win in a couple of years, six games, go to bowl games. And like you said, depending on a given year, you know, uh, you have a down year for a team or two, uh, you end up winning eight games and that would be phenomenal and certainly get them in the realm of where they were, um, where everyone was so excited. Look, it's, it's not the big East, so you're not going to compete for division titles, but you can compete and be competitive and go to bowl games. And um, that's the, that's the thing I think they need to understand, even though they may say, Oh, want to compete for championships and all. I get that. That's all great. And, you know, everybody says that the reality is the expectation level should be that get a program to respectability. And I think that is good. Uh, other news, uh, Jeff Scott is going to stay with Clemson for through the bowl game. He's the co-offensive coordinator, but he's going to be the new head coach at South Florida, yep. uh, replacing Charlie Strong. So that's kind of the latest. And of course, we've got a lot of more than we have time to go over uh, with a lot of different moves with a lot of small schools. As and well as and we should moves. mention, we should mention, Chris, that th- this whole scenario could actually, we could be talking about more news in about a month from now because there's going to be NFL jobs that are going to be open that you know there might be some hot shot college coaches that are going to get some phone calls from the NFL. So we might be seeing some unexpected job openings coming up in about a month. Yeah, we will. And I was just mentioning that there's a lot of other news that currently is going on right now with assistance that we've got, got for you over at LandryFootball.com. So check that out. But yeah, there, there's could be another wave. Not only that, there's going to be an assistant coaching wave of changes Mm -hmm. after December signing day. So a lot of time, what will happen is you'll keep certain assistants because of their ties. They may have to certain recruits and then, you may make a determination that you're going to move on from this guy or that guy. So you, you'll see some of that that takes place. As you mentioned, there'll be some college coaches' names that will come out now um, that uh, for NFL jobs, and we'll see if there's some sort of um, a domino effect there. So, no, it's um, not over by any stretch, and uh, we'll certainly keep you up to date uh, here as we can. But certainly as this happens – Minute by minute, the updates at Landry Football, LandryFootball.com. We got it covered for you, folks. Yep. Be sure to check out LandryFootball.com for all 
the latest breaking news. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast because we're going to be on top of everything as we progress throughout the weeks and, of course, lead you into bowl season uh, right here. So subscribe to the College of Football Film Room wherever you get your podcast from. Get the latest episode downloaded directly to your mobile device. And next week we'll we'll recap Army-Navy. We'll preview uh, the first wave of the bowl games as we head right up until the college football playoff and the New Year's Six. So, Chris, enjoy Army-Navy this weekend. It's the best tradition in all of sports. I admit I get teared up every time they sing the alma maters after the game, so I will be as emotional as ever on Saturday, and uh, I'm not afraid to admit that. I hope you're not as well. No, it's a really good game, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to uh, to watch it, as it always is. It's a bucket list game for those of you who haven't seen it. So enjoy it, and we'll be back to wrap it up and uh, certainly get into the latest news for these bowls. By next week, the bowls will be starting, so we'll have a lot to talk about. That's right. Go ahead to LandryFootball.com for all that. Be sure to follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. Follow me at Scott's on Air, and we'll talk to you next week right here on the College Football Film Room Podcast. Hiring is challenging, and it used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter. In fact, go to ZipRecruiter.com begin. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you cannot miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, listeners here can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.